Hey guys, welcome back to Belle's View and I'm Belle. Today I'm going to be discussing my opinions of the VMAs. So when I was in high school, this was in 2007, I watched the VMAs from 07 to maybe 2014. And then I watched the 2015 VMAs. Outside of that, I only watched Chloe and Halley's Ungodly Hour performance from last year, but this year I watched several performances, specifically the black performances, because I don't have cable anymore. Here is the thing. Everybody knows that MTV has lost its power. It's lost its influence, it's lost its popularity. It used to be the central point for pop culture when different popular artists at the time, like Avril Lavigne and, and Beyonce and Rihanna and Maroon 5, as well as Paramore would be releasing videos, even Fall Out Boy, and everybody just waiting to see video drops on TRL. I remember during the summer in high school, like watching TRL every single day, or even when I would come home from school, rushing home so I could get to see at least half of TRL because I wanna know who's in the top 10 music videos and if my favorite artist, which was Rihanna at the time, is in the top 10. Like MTV used to have us on the edge of our seats. And because it has switched from being music and pop culture centered, especially music centered to more so reality television, the VMAs doesn't hold the same weight as it did five, 10 years ago. It just doesn't. As people have joked, but it's the fucking truth. Ridiculousness runs literally damn near 24 hours a day. I remember when I did have cable I would be looking through MTV I would be looking through the TV guide and just a bunch of hours of ridiculousness back to back back to back and I'm like you don't got anything else and I will say this I was a fan of their music reality television series back in the day specifically when it came to making the band that is how I discovered Danity Kane and Day 26 and Donnie. I loved that. I, I loved Run's House. Um, I used to watch MTV Cribs. I know after that they did expand their programming when it came to Teen Mom, things like Awkward. What's that show called? What was that show called that I felt like I was too old for? It's not teen vampire, vampire teen, teen vampire. Y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's like teen vampire or some shit. They, they were able to expand that. And not to mention that I was a fan of the Hills, never really watched um, Laguna Beach before. So they had all these moments, all these great shows, a center of entertainment. And I felt that this year's VMAs was their attempt to try to re-solidify themselves as an outlet for pop culture. Now, MTV has been interviewing artists for decades, for decades, because again, they're still part of pop culture, but do they carry the relevance that they did 
10, 15, 20, 30 years ago? Hell no. Part of the reason. One, they moved from music-based reality television to primarily like reality television outside of some of those teen shows that they had. Teen Wolf, that's what it was called. Teen Wolf, not Teen Vampire. Um, that's, that's what they moved towards. So they shifted from what they were built off of, which was music, music television, and the explosion of social media. We have so many different social media platforms, especially YouTube. Artists drop their videos on YouTube. They don't need MTV to drop their music videos on anymore. But MTV still does the VMAs every year because it's something that they've done for so long. But the thing is, the VMAs, like getting that award does not mean much anymore. It just doesn't because the, the network has really lost its essence. But I will say the reason why I felt this year's award ceremony was an effort to try to re-solidify themselves as the heavyweight they once were, were because of the performances. Because of the performances. So, let's get into it. I will specifically be discussing five to six performances that I deeply appreciated because I've grown up in African-American culture as an African-American. So let's start off with Chloe Bailey. Chloe Bailey, one half of Chloe and Halle, did her performance of Have Mercy. I thought it was excellent. I kid you not, I was so excited that after I saw the performance, I literally watched it three to four more times at night, and I have been watching it three times every night ever since. She killed it. She killed it. It's interesting because... She has like this new quote unquote look rocking like the blonde faux locks. And initially I wasn't a fan of it when I saw that was what she was wearing as part of the cover for her new single. But with her taking on the persona of Medusa within the music video and in this, this performance, it actually makes a lot of sense. I loved the beginning of this performance. Her singing with like that pink shawl, like just draped in that beautiful fuchsia draw. Is that what you call it? I think it's a pink draw or like the pink gown, the pink, the pink drape. It, it gave me very much what we're used to from her in terms of her, her singing voice. Like it gave me some opera vibes. And then also I felt like this moment was also showcasing her ability to kill it in musicals and films. Like if they do a modern day Medusa play, she would be great for it. And it also gave me like creepy witch borderline hocus pocus type shit, which I loved because even though I didn't fuck with hocus pocus, like, if they did some movie around Halloween that was centered around these creepy witches terrorizing the townspeople, she would be great. Like, this full, like these blonde faux locks that she's wearing, like, it really helps bring that whole Medusa persona to life. And she sounded incredible. And then as she continued to go into the very beginning of the actual song, Have Mercy, and, like, you hear 
the dramatic yet kind of like dangerous evil music playing and her screaming and enraged I was like, she killed the fuck out of that. I was like, girl, you are giving me everything that I didn't know that I wanted from you. And it's amazing. It's just you see her range and how her, her talent can be utilized in not only music, but other forms of entertainment. So then she proceeds into the song and she does a great job. Great choreo, great persona. The fact that she was singing live this entire time, she freaking killed it. And what got me is toward the very, toward the end, here she is like twerking and, and spinning around and twirling her hair. And here she is ad-libbing and doing all these little bomb ass notes. And I'm like, you get any, she don't even sound out of breath. Not one time did she sound out of breath. And then what got me is at the end, she dropped on the floor and she was like, damn near like jumping off the floor for the black people that know what I'm talking about. It's only, like you would have thought her ass caught the Holy Spirit during praise and worship right before the pastor is about to do his sermon. Like that's what the hell she looked like on the floor. And I was like, you can, you can feel that energy that she's excited, that she's in the moment. And that she's just giving everything and putting everything she got into this performance and living in the moment. And I loved it. And then she ended it with licking the mic and dropping it. And I was like, okay. I did not expect that. It was definitely giving me sexy vibes. And it was very risque because, again, her and Hallie, as a duo, they have had a wholesome persona for a very long time where they are very talented and they have a lot of vocal range and ability. But for the longest, they hadn't been subscribing to what is typically required in mainstream music as black artists, black female artists. And when I say that, I mean, for the longest, they hadn't been really playing around with their sensuality. And I believe Ungodly Hour was a prelude to that because they're now of age. She is 23 years old now and she's learning and really discovering her sensuality and learning how to own that, especially knowing that she had some issues when it came to her body, specifically struggling with body image issues. So seeing her working through that and discovering her sexuality is a great thing. And what I love about this song too, there's several things I love about this song. What I love about this song and the video, the video was bomb. It is not about I'm fine as hell. I could take your man. I'm going to give it to this nigga. Like, it's not about that. It's not about that. She knows she's fine. She knows she's a beautiful woman. She knows men wants her. She knows men want her body. And she's like, I'm not just going to let you get in my jeans, but I can teach you some things. And I love that. And it, and it is playing hard to get in the way. I love that. When do you hear that? We don't really hear that. We don't really hear that. I mean, we do in a way when like Megan Thee Stallion is talking about like she's she's very sex positive. But when she's talking about like 
she ain't about to give him none unless he reciprocates head and things like that. But never in this way have we heard like, yeah, I know I'm fine. I know you want to get in them jeans, but I'm not just going to let you get in these jeans and get in between. I'm going to teach you a few things. I love that. I love that. We haven't heard that message conveyed in that way in a long time. So it's very much empowering in that way, especially as a black woman. My God, our bodies are always hypersexualized. And when we decide that we want to pursue a career within the music industry, it is pretty much a requirement. It is a requirement to sell your sell sex and to be hypersexual, especially if you are looking to build a massive career the way in which Beyonce, Rihanna, and Nicki Minaj have done over the past 15 to 30 years. It's a requirement. So I'm not surprised that Chloe wanted to utilize her sensuality, but because she has been showing her body more, especially since I believe earlier this year or late last year, I can't remember if the Busted Challenge was last year or this year. I think it was this year, earlier this year. People are taking more notice to her, which is kind of unfortunate because she's a talented woman. It shouldn't be that because she did a Busted Challenge, now you have some people who are like, okay, I like her, but before you weren't, you weren't because she wasn't twerking. That's odd. And then some of these men and some of these young young boys are, are like, damn, she got a nice body. But that's not who that's not all that she is. And that's kind of what she's saying in the song, too. So I love that. And I love the idea that she turns the men to stone. OMG, she could literally do like a short film or even a like a 45 minute film, kind of like Solange's When I Get Home. I feel like it was like a 45 to 60 minute film. She could do something like that with the same Medusa persona. But you know who I want? I want Rome Flynn, who was in the music video, which I love, I love, because I, I've seen him, I liked his role in How to Get Away with Murder, and I've seen him in The Have and Have Nots. And he's fine as hell. So I was like, okay, okay, get this fine man in here. We could get him, we could get Trevante, we could get Keith Powers, and we can get, what is his name? Is his name Yael? Yael? God, I'm going to butcher his name. It's not an American name. What is his name? I'm going to butcher it, y'all, so forgive me. Yala Noel. He played Daniel in Insecure. Get him. Let him be the fine ass man that men that she turned into stone over time. Like, why not? Why not? So I love that performance. She did a great job. I felt that this was even more of a way for her to solidify herself as a pop star. Um, I feel like the song is very catchy and easy to to know the lyrics it is a great party song it is a great club song it is a really great about to go to the club song or we looking good we going into the city song and especially for her target market which is gen z moving along we're going to talk about normani now there was a lot of controversy because mtv hadn't added her before until the very last minute which was some bullshit because it's like, why wouldn't you add her? 
like I don't know what your real reason is. You know everybody has talked shit about your last award ceremonies over the past several years being shit. Why wouldn't you want a bomb-ass performer who has all this popularity that would bring ratings and viewership? So they finally listened, and she did her performance, and it was great. It was beautiful. It was something about it felt very airy and, and sensual and cool. I loved it. I, I love the music video. Definitely homage to Aaliyah. And here's the thing. Let me reword. Because there's this constant demand, because there's a constant demand for people to be able to relive 90s music, the golden era of 90s music and early 2000s music, I feel that the music industry has listened to that and wants some of the artists to emulate that so that the music can sell and stream successfully because you're integrating that nostalgia because nostalgia sells. But Wild Side was different. Wild Side did not feel like just somebody sampling an iconic song from an incredible artist because they liked them and they felt like the beat or them being in the bridge or being in the chorus would be cool and make it easier to bop to. No, this was an homage. This was an homage. You felt the influence of Aaliyah in that song, but the song is still current. And the video is futuristic. The choreography is amazing and futuristic. And I love that. And I can truly say that Normani is one of the few mainstream black pop artists that I've seen truly pay homage and be able to have that influence of the artists they admire while still making the song their own. And I feel like that is an incredible skill and ability to have. And again, it takes us back to nostalgia selling, right? If you think about 90s music, especially 90s black music, when it comes to rap and R&B, R&B, some of those hit songs that people will get up and know all the words and sing and dance along to like it just came out 25 years ago, sampled songs from the 80s and the 70s. So at that time, you had Gen Xers. Gen Xers in the 90s were ultimately like the millennials of that time. So they were sampling songs that their parents fell in love with and grew up to from like the 70s, 80s, and some even the 60s. But it was them being respectful. They would sample it while making it their own so it was giving non to that influence but making it your own and that was incredible and to I have not seen that in a very long time until Normani's wild side so I commend her for that I truly do at the end she she did like a little like 
sensual dance on Tiana Taylor. It was paying homage to Janet Jackson's Would You Mind? Because Janet would perform Would You Mind? And she's doing all these sensual dances on somebody who's strapped to this, this chair. Although I thought it was cute, I don't think it was necessary. I don't think it was necessary. Does it connect with the theme? Because Would You Mind is also about sex and Wild Side is about sex. Yeah, but I didn't think it was necessary. It's like, oh, we just added this little, and I'm like, oh, you could, you could keep it. But overall, great performance. Moving along, Doja Cat. So Doja Cat is somebody whose popularity in music has exploded within the past few years. I am not very privy to her music. The only song I know before she got famous was Moo. And that's because my sister showed me the music video. And I was like, is this her trolling? Anyway, I enjoyed her performance of Been Like This and You Right. I, I loved the interpretive dance throughout the performance. And I loved like the whole like she's on another planet. So I like the way they had that ring set up around her as she's kind of like doing this interpretive dance, even though she's like 10, 20, maybe 30 feet in the air. Like you felt the emotion. You also felt kind of like the sensuality in the song as well. She did an excellent job and I haven't seen and a, a performance like that in a while. That also gave me kind of an airy vibe. So much so that I've literally added Been Like This and You Right to my watch list to listen to this week. Because I'm thinking, hey, she did this performance. It sounded bomb. I love the transition between Been Like This to You Right with the violin. Maybe Been Like This and You Write the recorded version sound just as good. So she did a great job with that. That's another thing. People keep wanting to feel the same vibe that the 90s and the early 2000s brought. So you have different artists and influencers that incorporate that into their style and in their music because it's popular. But sometimes it doesn't feel like they make it their own. And it's one thing to admire somebody who has had a longer career than you and who is still influential and an icon to this day without just completely mimicking them. And I, I appreciate that about Doja Cat. Do I know who all of her musical influences are? No, but I know for a fact that Nicki Minaj is one of them because the same way Doja Cat makes all these different weird facial expressions in some of her songs and music videos and, and performances, and like the different personas and theatrics that she takes on, it reminds me of the way Nikki was doing that and how that got her notoriety. But it doesn't feel like a copy. It's her own. You see what I'm saying? That's what it needs to be. So good, good on her. Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X, I love that he came out with the black marching band. They killed that shit. I love that um, he performed Industry Baby and the beautiful Segway. I'm going to say, the, the background band or whoever who was doing the Segways from one song to the next really did that shit. Because that Segway from Industry Baby to Montero was great. I love the, the little dance break that he did. 
I know Jack Harlow came out and did his his um, verse. I really don't know that guy. He seems like an industry plant that just popped out of nowhere that everyone talks about. I think the dude is from Kentucky, which is like so random. Yeah, it, it is random. But I will say on his verse, the only line that I like is like, I didn't peak in high school. I'm still getting cuter. I thought that was a cute line. I enjoyed the performance. I love that. Lil Nas didn't waste any time making a splash. And just seeing like the beautiful black men doing the choreography, especially toward the end of the performance where Lil Nas is ending the song. And just the way that they're slowly moving gracefully, like it just, it, it, it's, it looks like art. Like it, it looks like art. Um, so he did a great job. Everybody part of that performance did a great job. And I watched that like three to five times every day since I saw it on Sunday. Moving along. So there is Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys and Sway Lee. So Alicia Keys has a new song with Sway Lee called Lala. Here's the thing. I just feel like that's an odd pairing. Alicia Keys doing a song with Sway Lee. It's just kind of like somebody doing, <laughs> like I'm, I'm like somebody like an auntie doing a song with their nephew. And when I say that, I don't mean shade at all. I'm not shading or insulting Alicia Keys at all. It's just, I, it's just, I would never expect that because Sway Lee is very. When I think of Sway Lee, I think of like no flex zone and sativa. And Alicia Keys is more soulful. You know what I mean? Like it's genres that are within blackness, but like two different versions, two different facets of it, you know? So here's the thing. I liked the instrumental. I did not care for the song. But that's just me. Some people may love the song. I enjoy the instrumental. Now, the moment. Alicia performed a new rendition of Empire State of Mind. And I thought it was great. I love that we got to see that spark in her that made us fall in love with her music 20 years ago. She was, you could tell she was truly in her element. She's a great artist, but you, you saw she was in her moment, her in her mo in the moment and in her element. And as she's doing this new rendition, the camera pans to views of the city of New York. And especially this airing a day after the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I thought it was very special. And I love the new rendition because of the jazz band that she had. And some people said that she incorporated, I don't know, some arts, these artists that I'm, I'm not familiar with, I'm assuming they're from like the 90s, 80s, maybe 70s. What I loved about it was as she was playing the piano, it sounded like she was playing Mary J. Blige's Take Me As I Am. 
And the primary melody in that is so beautiful and and soulful. But when people said it reminded her, it reminded them of, I believe, some rappers' songs. I'm assuming from the 80s and 90s, it made me wonder, hey, maybe that Mary J. Blige song that I hear in this new rendition was sampling or a nod to those rapper songs. So I love that. I love that. And, you know, like Alicia Keys tends to get clowned on because of the way her and Swiss Beats got together. And that one time she was performing and completely screeched. But... For real fans, for people who truly know, she's always been a great artist and a, and a great musician. So, I, And I love the fact that they did this by the water as well. Not all of the performances were in the main building. So Chloe Normani, Doja Lil Nas, those were all in the building. But Alicia's was not. It, it, was, by, it was by Liberty Bay. It fit the aura. It was all very fitting. The the aura, the vibe, it all it was perfect. It was the perfect location to do it. Busta Rhymes also performed. He performed a medley of some of his his hit songs like Scenario. I fucking wish Q-Tip would have came out. If Q-Tip would have came out to do part of his verse from Scenario. I would have bugged out because I love Tribe Called Quest. I really do. But he didn't. Buster Rhymes always has like that. He just has that massive energy and he always delivers. He all, and I don't know how he controls his breath like that, especially when he performed Look At Me Now. And I'm like, how the hell does he do that without going out of breath? Like, God damn. Then I got to get out of that. I'm like, God damn, you're still doing it. So he did that, he did Touch It, and he did some of his other songs. That was cool. I just thought it would have been cooler if Q-Tip would have popped out for Scenario. And it was just great to see black people win. Black people doing what they love and, and doing it excellently. And Lil Nas X won three awards that night. And that's the funny thing. I never care that much about who was going to win what award. But I'm happy that he won several awards. Now, before I go, I know I said I was going to do an episode on Ready to Love and Love and Marriage Huntsville. And that's still coming. It's just because everybody is still talking about the VMAs um, as well as the Met Gala. I thought it made sense to speak on my opinion. And I'm going to end it by speaking about Chloe Bailey. While there has been a lot of praise and celebration of her solo music and her, well, you know what? She did the Feeling Good performance. She did the Feeling Good performance on ABC but like her first big solo performance with this new album coming out, there has also been criticism and outrage. Here's the thing. I feel that we can be, we can have different opinions and different views without being disrespectful. 
And I think some people just don't want to do that. And for some people, it's hard for them to do that, especially if something about that person or that subject hits a nerve for them or triggers them in some way from some type of experience they have had or some type of issue that bothers them and possibly insecurities. So some people have been saying they felt that her performance was very sloppy and have gone as far to say that she was a great value Beyonce. I feel that that's very disrespectful. Great value Beyonce. Again, I know it's people's opinions, but here's the thing. It's obvious that Beyonce has been a heavy influence on Chloe, not only as a mentor, but as an artist. You can you can hear the Beyonce influence in her voice sometimes, and you saw it in her performance and in the music video. Now, I get why some people felt that it was too Beyonce heavy, where they feel like they don't know Chloe's identity. However, I don't feel that way because I've seen her perform with her sister, where I saw her personality come out. And I feel that I saw her personality come out in this performance. But to say that she's like a Beyonce clone is just completely inaccurate. Nobody can be Beyonce. And that's another thing. People, I feel that people get too, like, people get too excited sometimes. For example, somebody on Twitter had said that fucking, what is that girl's name? Snow Allegra is like today's Sade. And people proceeded to drag the fuck out of that guy. Like, what are you saying? Yeah, Snow Allegra sounds good. Her music is heavily influenced by American R&B, black artists, okay? But just because it's heavily influenced by that, and she's been in the game for what, maybe five years, become popular for five years? How dare you even try to equate her to Sade, who's had timeless music for over... 40 years. You were comparing somebody who is still relatively new to this industry to a fucking icon who has been relevant for over 40 years. Sade can like leave her horse farm, her horse ranch in the UK and say, I'm going on tour again, guys, and releasing an album. And it will sell out in a fucking instant, in a fucking instant. And the other thing is, it wouldn't just be somebody's grandma it would be my grandma my auntie my mother and me paying for tickets to go see Sade that's how big Sade is you can't keep comparing your favorite artist of today to an icon that has had a a long illustrious career for 20 30 40 years you could see the influence and see the potential But to say that they are and they're just getting started, come on, come on. And I'm not going to say that Chloe is the next Beyonce. There is no body like Beyonce but Beyonce. However, I will say that Chloe is the first person I've seen that would actually be qualified to do a Beyonce tribute when Beyonce is old enough to get a tribute. Definitely. She has the vocals, and she and that's the other thing. There is an array of artists in this industry that have different talents, right? 
but rarely do you see somebody who can sing their ass off and dance and perform just as well. Sometimes they have one or the other, but not both. She is the package. And we haven't seen a package like that since Beyonce. I will say, give her a little grace. This is like her first big solo performance. She's coming out with her first solo album after doing albums and and music as a duo for over a decade. Let's give her some grace with that. She's learning. She's 23. She's learning. She's new. And for those who feel that her sensuality feels forced, you know what? It could be. It could be. I'm not even going to fight you on it. But at the end of the day, you know the deal. You know the deal. If you want to have a successful, a, a massive career like Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, or Rihanna, who fall within the pop R&B genre, you have to sell sex at some point. You have to sell sex at some point. Is it fucked up that it's a requirement? Yes. But if you want to get to that level, that is what is required. And here's the other side. Months ago when Chloe received backlash from Busset, I felt bad for her because Some people were being cruel. Some people just feel like, oh, she's selling herself. But there's also a segment of people that I understand who had been fans of Chloe and Hallie for a very long time. Like during their beginning stage, before they got Ungodly Hour, before they became regular cast members on Grownish. They vibed with their music. They liked that they were different than the other artists they heard. They admired their talent and their beauty and also the fact that they weren't trying to be sexy or overtly sensual. So to see her transition into being more sensual, it felt like a disappointment to them. I can understand that. But also, if we think about it so often, We cling on to these artists who have grown up as child stars in our eyes. And typically when they want to be taken seriously as an adult, that means doing something risque, shock value, overtly sexual that will piss off all of like the conservative people and all the people that subscribe to respectability politics in order to be more known as, hey, I know you know me from this, but... I'm, a, I'm an adult now. I'm a woman now. So I understand that subgroup of people. However, some of these people out here who are saying Pornhub, just say that you Google big booty black woman whenever you go to jerk off on Pornhub. Just say that. But how dare you compare this talented woman, this smart, beautiful woman, to, to, to Pornhub? And that's not to say there's anything wrong with sex work. I know it, it takes a lot of patience and endurance. It takes a lot to be a sex worker and to have a career within the porn industry. And that there are ups and downs to that that not everybody can handle. But to just go straight to porn, that person who made that comment definitely looks at pornography 
as a negative thing, looks down upon it, but best believe that motherfucker is jerking off on Pornhub. So don't be looking down and because to me, I felt like that was that person on Twitter hypersexualizing her and because she's a black woman, making her sound like she's inferior in just a body. Somebody said they felt like, oh, you know, I'm surprised it wasn't just all nudity based on what she was doing. What are you talking about? She was twerking like all of these other artists that have black and non-black. And if anything, she just licked a mic. And I feel like we've seen somebody lick a mic before. We've literally seen Miley Cyrus twerk on fucking Robin Thicke. Like, that nigga is old enough to be... Well, is he old enough to be her father? Yeah, he looked old enough to be her father. Like, we've seen that. But you're saying I'm surprised it wasn't just all nudity? Get out of here. I know she's being provocative. And again, being provocative sells in this industry. And it's a requirement to be provocative as a black woman in this industry, especially if you are looking to reach the success of the most successful black women in this industry. And then the other thing, especially for the people, and I will say some of them that I know of, the black Gen Xers. Y'all be talking about, oh, I feel like this generation shows too much. They talk to, they're too crass, like, what happened to love and this and that? And I know I grew up with people like Lil' Kim and Adina Howard and all these other artists, but it wasn't like that. And I'm like, can you shut up? Like, here's the thing. I sometimes feel that, again, people have their opinion, but I also feel like because Generation X played a big role in making MTV the heavyweight that it once was. Like, if you think about Madonna, Michael Jackson, when Thriller came out, Janet Jackson, like, all those artists, and they grew up with those artists and being in their teenagers and early 20s when they dropped musics and toured. And knowing that the artists of today that are old enough to be their children are still, still admire those icons, I sometimes feel like they insert themselves into these conversations <laughs> as if it truly holds weight in terms of how a Gen Z artist or even uh, as a younger millennial artist moves within the industry. And... It doesn't. And I promise you, I'm not being shady. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying something. Because so often we've been hearing, oh, these new artists are trying to be just like the old artists that we grew up with. But there's never going to be like the music today is trash. I remember the good old days. And I empathize with you to an extent. I hear you. I feel that there is music. There's music that is iconic, that can never be duplicated or replicated in any form from the 90s in the early 2000s. I wholeheartedly agree with that and that there are some artists that do that because their teams know nostalgia sells. And some of those artists do not do it in a organic or tasteful way. It's just a replica. It's like a copy and paste. I get that. But enjoy the music that you love without 
saying degrading things about some of these artists today, especially the black women who are saying this about some of these black female artists. Again, different opinions, fine. But you don't have to be straight up disrespectful and rude. Mind you, some of these Gen X people that grew up with artists that were provocative, like Lil' Kim and stuff, were going to Freaknik. They were subscribed to Freaknik. Like, what are we saying here? Are you saying that Chloe Bailey's Half Mercy performance at the VMAs was just as provocative as Freaknik? Come on. Or even some of these videos from like the mid 90s to early 2000s that had some of like the video vixens in it. Or like, I don't know whose music video it was where it's like they literally fake swiped a credit card in between a woman's butt cheeks. Get the hell out of here. I feel that's your respectability politics coming out. I feel like if you grew up going to a very traditional like Baptist church or or like going to a very traditional church, especially a traditional black church, that whole like being modest and and respectable and wearing wholesome clothes is, is what God wants and anything outside of that is a sin is coming out of you. And you need to work on that. You can feel that she's being overtly sexual without being straight up disrespectful and rude. Come on. It's like sometimes they say, oh, like our music was about love. There is some 90s music that wasn't about love. It was about having sex. It was just about having sex. And even if they try to say like, oh, we're making love, like someone was like, we're making love and a baby might come out of this because we're not being safe. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. So. Those are my two, three cents on the VMAs and some of the criticism that Chloe has received. Tell me what you think. If you've seen the VMAs, what did you think? Who was your favorite performance? If your favorite performance wasn't anybody that I mentioned, because like I said, I only watched the people that I wanted to watch. Still let me know what you, what you like about them, who, what performance didn't you like and why. And it's okay. Again, you're talking to somebody who is a fan of Chloe's. Am I a stan? No, I'm a fan of hers. But like I said during this episode, I can empathize with some of the points of those who didn't like the performance and don't like this new persona that she's taking on as a solo artist. So feel free to, to share your opinions on that. Um, What do you think of some of the backlash that she's received? Or if you feel that there's a certain perspective when it comes to her newfound solo artist persona that hasn't been discussed. Um, So you can follow me at Bell in Progress on Twitter. That's B-E-L-L-E in Progress. Um, That's B-E-L-L-E in Progress on Twitter. And or you can also leave me a voice message telling me, you know, what you thought about the VMAs and some of the backlash, as well as other topics that you may want me to cover in the future. All right, thanks guys for listening.